0: Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Thanks again for listening to the special edition of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio for this Christmas Eve day. I'm Paul Perot, her producer, and we continue with our special Lessons and Carols edition of Mornings with Carmen.
1: Angels we have heard on high Sweetly sing Mountains in reply. Echo back their joyous
0: so this is the second hour of a special edition of Mornings with Carmen here on this Christmas Eve. We're really going to spend our time in lessons and carols today. Uh, and so on this 24th day of December, we uh, have been looking at Luke chapter 24. So I would be mindful at the outset of this hour simply to ask, where in the word are you today today? Um, and my guess is that uh, if you are following any kind of Advent devotional, if you are following any kind of reading plan, uh, you are somewhere in the birth narratives of Jesus, which means that you are somewhere in the opening chapters of either Matthew or Luke. Uh, you could be reading John, but that's not really a birth narrative. That's more of a declaration of of who Jesus is as the eternal, you know, co-eternal second member of the Trinity um, come down as the logos, as the light of the world. Um, but if you are reading one of the traditional texts about the birth of Jesus and those who attended to his birth um, and the stories surrounding his birth, then you are probably somewhere in the opening chapters of Matthew or Luke. Well, in, um, in those chapters, you find angels. And indeed, angels we have heard on high. They have invited us to come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn King. These angels are also described as being from the realms of glory. Those who sang creation's story now proclaim Messiah's birth. I want you to consider that for just a moment. Angels from the realms of glory. Those who sang creation's story. So we're talking about angels that have been been around a long time. Angels from the realms of glory. Those who sang creation's story now proclaim Messiah's birth. Let's consider that for just a moment. We could read in Hebrews chapter 1 that long ago, at many times and in various ways, God spoke to our fathers, the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, why read all this? Why read uh, about Jesus, who after making purification for sins, sat down at the right hand of Of the majesty on high. Well, I'm reading it because of verse four. So once we get to Hebrews chapter one, verse four, we read this having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? Well, the answer to that rhetorical question is never, never, never. These angels have been attending. Um, to uh, to the kingdom and to the king since the days of creation. And never once has God ever turned to any one of them and said, you are my son. But God says that of Jesus. And then through Jesus, God says that of all of those who are adopted by faith uh, in Christ. And so when we consider these angels who are singing, When we consider these angels who are from the realms of glory, when we consider that these were the angels who sang creation story, and we consider that 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 they are now proclaiming Messiah's birth, that is something to consider. Lessons and Carols with Carmen in just a moment on Faith Radio. So Christmas is a a time of of great mystery. Um, You just think about all of the anticipation that everyone is feeling today about what's in those boxes under the tree. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, when I was a little kid, I I was not very patient in terms of waiting to find out what I was getting for Christmas. I was that kid who between the time that I got home from school and my parents got home from work, man, I was the kid that was in every closet and every cupboard and looking behind every, you know, in every nook and cranny and out in the garage and up in the attic trying to find my Christmas gifts. Um, I I didn't really want to wait until Christmas morning to find out. Now, part of that may be um, uh, illustrative of the fact that I don't really like surprises. I really don't. I mean, there's really nothing. Don't ever throw me a surprise party unless you want to be like put at the bottom of the friend list. I don't like surprises. I don't like surprise visits. I don't like surprise parties. I just I don't like surprises. I'm I'm one of those people that likes to know what's on the schedule and what to anticipate. And I'm going to be there and it'll all be great. And Okay, so so there you go. But there's a great mystery surrounding Chris, Christmas. Lots of questions, lots of questions, um, and those questions are going to be asked by people in the culture um, if we if we let them. And so let me just encourage you over the next couple of days when you run into people, um, you know, who are it's obvious they're not celebrating Christmas. I mean, you you're going to run across them. I run across them all the time. They're obviously not celebrating Christmas. And so you know, I'll just say, hey, you know, we're we're celebrating Christmas. Uh, You can either join us or maybe there's something about Christmas you'd just like to know more about. Do you actually wonder what we're doing and why we're doing it? It's a great time to engage in conversation about the parts of the story that seem absolutely unbelievable to people. It seems absolutely unbelievable to people in our culture that Jesus was uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. Like that is really hard for people to believe today. Um, And so I just want to encourage you to be prepared to engage in some of those tough questions and conversations of this season. So there are, um, there are three songs that I want to talk about uh, here, kind of back to back to back, and they're all question songs. What Child is This, Mary Did You Know, and then Joseph's Song. Um, these are all, all question carols. They're all asking the question. And so What Child is This is actually uh, just a handful of lines that are adapted from a very long poem called The Manger Throne. Um, and the musical tune is the 16th century's English folk song, Greensleeve. So if you, if you knew you're, you're familiar with the music and you didn't think that maybe it was because it was because it was a Christmas carol, um, that's why. And the hymn asks all the right questions about this baby, Jesus, and then declares, This, this is Christ the King, whom, sh- whom shepherds guard and angels sing, haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary.
1: What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? This, this is Christ.
0: The lessons and carols continue in just a moment on Faith Radio. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge.
2: Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Oh, Mary, did you know
0: that I just want to read, um, I, I want to read the words that are asked in this song, the questions that are posed, because they're good questions. Mary, did you know? that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. I want you to consider for a moment all that we think we know, all that we think we know about the baby in the womb. I want you to just to consider for a moment today in the twenty first century America all that we think we know about the baby in the womb and then I want you to roll back twenty centuries and Ask yourself what Mary knew about the baby in her womb, the baby she delivered on this Christmas Eve night. Mary knew that her son was different than every other child that would ever be born because Mary knew that her son had been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary knew what the angel Gabriel had told her. Mary also knew um what you and I call the old testament mary knew the scriptures of the hebrew people mary knew the promises that god had made about a messiah and when the angel promises that this son that will be born to mary will be holy because he will be the very son of god and that he's being born to save uh, his people from their sins and therefore his name will be jesus mary knows that this child is going to be different But it's also fair to say there are many things Mary did not know. God is omniscient. Mary is not. Mary is unique in all of human history because she bears Jesus into the world. But that's it. Otherwise, she's an average woman, certainly average in her day. And so when we ask these questions about what Mary knew about her baby boy, I want us to consider what we think we know. About babies today. And all that we think we know about their gifts, their talents, their abilities, uh, the way that God has knit them together in their mother's womb, the way that we consider them fearfully and wonderfully made. And then ask yourself, is that the way the world perceives babies in the womb? Mary knew a lot about her son before he was born. And Mary grew in her knowledge of him over the course of her life. There were obviously, there's obviously evidence in the scripture that Mary did not quite understand uh, Jesus in his ministry. I mean, there were times that she and her sons tried to bring Jesus home. They thought he'd lost his mind. And Jesus actually, you know, says, you know, my mother and my brothers are the ones that do the will of the father. So there there's clearly some things that Mary does not know about Jesus along the way. But it's also clear that she's present at the crucifixion, that she bears the soul wound that Simeon predicts when Jesus as an infant is presented in the temple. So there's just a lot here. If Mary had questions worth pondering in her her heart, Joseph surely had even more. Uh, Joseph is the often forgotten uh, man of Christmas. And I really appreciate Michael Card's uh, Joseph's Song uh, it may be one that's new to you, and you may not even consider it very Christmassy. Um, but when Michael Card was here on, on the program, um, he shared uh, the backstory of this particular song. And he said that, it, you know, really this song came to him when he was watching his brother hold his infant child for the very first time. And all of the questions that flood through the mind of a man when he is holding that sacred trust of an infant for the first time. So the song goes like this, how could it be this baby in my arms sleeping now so peacefully the son of God the angel said how could it be Lord I know he's not my own not of my flesh not of my bone still father let this baby be the son of my love father show me where I fit into this plan of yours how can a man be father to the son of God Lord for all my life I've been a simple carpenter How can I raise a king? Every single one of us uh, who are entrusted with raising a child have been entrusted by God with the raising of the sons and daughters of the kingdom. Let's listen to Joseph's song.
3: How could it be This baby in my arms Sleeping down So peacefully, the Son of God.
0: It's one thing to know the story and rehearse the carols. It's another thing altogether to respond by faith and then come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn king. What child is this ends with the call that loving hearts would enthrone Jesus? It's really a question of me or thee. I mean, e- either, either I am sitting on the throne of my own life and I think I am uh, autonomous and totally self governed, or I recognize. That I am a person under authority, willingly submit, submitting myself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, who is indeed enthroned in my heart. So it's hard for us to say out loud um, when we're focused on the story of a baby's birth, but it's right here that we have to acknowledge that Jesus was born to die. The manger makes the cross possible, the incarnation is necessary for the atoning work of Christ on the cross, and this, this child, sweet and tender, is indeed the Savior of the world. In just a moment, we're going to return to that conversation.
4: In Bethlehem, the human being who best understood who God was and what he was doing was a teenage girl in a smelly stable. This is Max Locato. As Mary looked into the face of the baby, her son, her Lord, His Majesty, she couldn't take her eyes off of Him. Somehow she knew she was holding God, so this is He. And she remembered the words of the angel when he said, His kingdom will never end. Oh, he looked like anything but a king. His cry, though strong and healthy, was still the helpless and piercing cry of a baby. Majesty in the midst of the mundane, holiness in the filth of sheep, manure, and sweat. Divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable, through the womb of a teenager, and in the presence of a carpenter. God came near. Luke one thirty three says, His kingdom will never end. May you be a part of it. In this day of Advent, this is Max Lucado.
0: O oh, come, O oh, come, all ye faithful. Come, let us adore him. I want you to... Um uh, this is just really where I consider this this question of adoration, uh, of praise, and of, of the glorification of the Son. Um, what does it mean to you to adore a baby? I mean, babies are adorable, almost by definition. I mean, I think that that is easy for us to say. But when we think about adoring the Christ child, like, what do we mean by that? And how is it different than the adoration we give to any other baby? There's this instinct um, to smile at a child, you know, to an infant. Hopefully you suffer this. Um, Hopefully that when you you see the face of a baby, you instinctively smile. They respond to that, by the way. That is uh, actually like wiring their brain in terms of what to expect uh, along the course of their life. And so we want them to expect that people are going to respond to them positively and with joy, um, with bright eyes and smiling faces. But what does it mean to adore? What does adoration really mean, Um, particularly when we're talking about Jesus? Well, part of it is a kneeling adoration. Part of it is a getting on our knees and bowing before this particular child's uh, cradle or manger. And why is that? Well, it's because, as the song says, the faithful come, uh, Jesus to thee all glory given, in excelsis Deo, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. When we talk about coming as faithful believers to this cradle throne, to this manger throne, we are acknowledging that the same Jesus that has been coexistent with God the Father through throughout eternity, um, the same Jesus who now has ascended from the dead, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and is coming again to judge the living and the dead, that this infant in this manger cradle is that self-same Jesus. Same Jesus. Same Jesus that is going to go to the cross um, for you and for me. Same Jesus. Uh, the Jesus uh, who to whom the Father has given the name that is above every name, the same Jesus At whose name every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Same Jesus. That's the baby in the manger. That's the Jesus uh, to whom all glory is given. That's why we adore him. Not because he's a cute baby, but because he is indeed the Word of the Father now in flesh appearing. We, of course, get that language um, from uh, the first chapter of the gospel according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And here it is, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Oh, come, all oh, ye faithful, oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh. listening to a special Lessons and Carols edition of Mornings with Carmen for this Christmas Eve. So we're going to turn now to Psalm 98 verses 1 to 4. This is going to sound really familiar, and you're going to wonder why I'm reading it as a um, as a lead-in to a Christmas carol. But here we go. Um, Psalm 98 begins: Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. So it was based on this particular text that Isaac Watts wrote a hymn. And he he wrote the hymn um, based on this passage of Old Testament scripture. This passage of Scripture is not from the first chapter of Matthew. It's not from the first chapter of Luke. It's not from the first chapter of any other uh, New Testament book. This is an Old Testament chapter of Scripture. Sing to the Lord a new song. He has done marvelous things. His right hand, his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth break forth into joyous song and sing praises. So it's based on that psalm in which there's nothing particularly Christmassy, let's note. Um, And there's nothing in here that specifically references the birth of Jesus. Now there is mention... um, in in the in the hymn that is written, that's based on the psalm, there is mention of Christ returning in judgment. But there's nothing particularly Christmassy, and yet it's one of our most recognizably Christmas carols. In fact, one of the most recognizably Christmas carols in all the world. It's called "Joy to the World." Joy to the world is an invitation um, to not only look back. At the birth of Jesus, the incarnation of Christ, but to look forward to his coming again as the king in full glory, as the one inaugurating uh, the fullness of the kingdom of heaven upon the earth, the new heaven and the new earth, the coming of Christ again. And so, yes, we look back to his first advent and joy to the world we sing. We look back to the birth of Jesus, to Mary, um, and to what we now call Christmas Christmas and we sing joy to the world, but we also look forward with great anticipation to Christ's second coming because it's only then that we're going to actually get to fully enjoy the wonders of his love, the wonders of his love in their fullness for all eternity. Joy to the world.
3: Joy to the world, the Lord is come receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him, moon, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven
5: the sounding key the sounding joy
3: truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love.
1: Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born.
0: So I don't know if you've ever thought much about the mission of Christmas, but uh, you and I as Christians, we have a Christmas mission. I mean, certainly the mission of Christmas is, is the deliverance of humanity through the person of Jesus Christ, um, and the incarnation is essential, as we have already stated, uh, to the crucifixion, and then to the resurrection, and to the reality of atonement, um, to the reality of redemption. Like, all of it is, is a part of one story, the gospel, the re- redemptive arc of all of history, um, but when we think specifically about the mission that we have as Christians at Christmas, um, I think it's it's multifold. Um, I do think that Christmas is grossly misunderstood in the culture today. And so I do think that there is a reclamation of Christmas that is necessary. However, when I say that, I don't mean that um, as Christians, we should be out stomping around in the culture telling them, you know, they can't have the Christmas tree and they can't call it a holiday tree. The reality is, it's a Christmas tree no matter what. And you remember when Jesus was uh, teaching, uh, or his disciples came to him and said, Hey, somebody's out there and they're healing in your name, but they're not among us. And Jesus is like, Hey, uh, if they're healing in my name, uh, they're not against us. So if they're not against us, let's just act like they're for us. And so um, let me encourage you to take what the culture offers and use it positively to help people understand what Christmas is really about instead of being upset that the world is strangely in love with Christmas. There is an awe. There is a wonder. There is a mystery. There, there is a joy um, related to even how the culture celebrates this holiday. And so, yes, do I recognize that for many people it is simply a commercial holiday? And yes, do I recognize that uh, for many people it has nothing to do with Jesus? Well, whose fault is that? Who is in, Who is present today in those conversations um, in a position to bring God back into it? Um, that would be you and me. And so our Christmas mission is to go tell it on the mountain, or maybe go tell it in the Starbucks, or maybe go tell it in the um, mall, or maybe go tell it in the neighborhood, or maybe go tell it in the park, or maybe go, I mean, it, you know, it may not be a valley, maybe go tell it, or a mountain, it may be a valley, go tell it in the valley. The mission of Christmas is to go and tell, passing on to others what we in turn have also received. In the spirit of Isaiah 52 7, uh, the Christmas mission is that we become the people who bring good news and publish peace abroad. So be a sower of peace at Christmas. Be an agent of grace. Be a representative, a representative, who represents. I don't know how to say a representative. That sounds a little odd. But to represent the story of Christmas. Um, in all of its truth and beauty and wonder. Do so like the angels did. Sing it from on high. Do it like the shepherds did. Actually go and see and then go and tell others. Uh, Do it like the magi did. Um, Be wise enough to follow God's leading to the place where you can actually see, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then go and tell others. So this is come and see and then go and tell. In fact, go tell it on the mountain.